Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends where you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who thinks Texas is ranked just so Alabama has a ranked win. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, Gerald, this is a ranked matchup we're going to talk about. You're talking about your ranked Texas Longhorn football team, of course. Um, that's what you call winning the bye week. Um, we, we went in with a little worry that you know stories were going to get out of hand, and we came out with a number next to our name. So winning the bye week, always good. Texas number 24 in the initial college football playoff. You can't make the playoff if you're not ranked, so they're a step uh, ahead of the Aggies and the Sooners. Um, you'll have to see it. Look, it's a bad year for all three, I guess. Um, but one of them is ranked, and it's Texas. Um, does that mean that that's to help Alabama be above TCU? Great. Even better. Screw someone else over. I mean, I'm not seeing any downside here, Gerald. I was frustrated. Granted, like the college football playoff rankings only have power if you give them power. It's kind of like the the moral of every kid's like horror movie, right? The monsters are only scary if you let them be scary, right? The CFP only controls college football if you let them, right? But TCU wins out. I don't see a way that they can be left. I, I do see a way that they can be left out because it's happened before, but it probably shouldn't. Before we jump in, I want to thank you all for your patience and understanding with our late arrival in your podcast feeds this week. We had a minor scheduling conflict. We, we wanted to record a little bit later in the week because we wanted to see if anything came out about the quarterback situation at Kansas State. Well, come to find out later in the week also coincided with my wedding anniversary. And so I made the prudent choice to uh, push back recording uh, and spend some time with my wife. We had a wonderful evening. My wife loves Christmas. And so uh, we drank some eggnog because I love me some eggnog. And so does she. And we watched our first Hallmark movie of the season. Gerald, was Texas Longhorn football good nine years ago when you when you got married? I think they were they were the, the decline was was happening. What year did you did you get married? Is that 2013, Kyle? Twenty thirteen. Oh. So it was uh, it was right in the early stages of the decline. They hadn't lost to Kansas yet. Um, <laughs> in fact, Texas was playing Kansas at the time of my wedding. And this is my favorite story about my wedding is that my wife was reading her vows when Malcolm Brown, former Texas running back, little Malcolm, not big Malcolm, uh, went for a 30-yard touchdown. And in the middle of my wife's vows, the ESPN app went off on my phone and dropped the da-na-na, da-na-na, <laughs> uh, while my wife read her vows. So uh, <laughs> thankfully, she continued uh, through with her vows and did not walk away she'd been well within her rights to just walk at that moment really uh but she stuck with me and uh yeah i was standing there and i i, I was shocked at first i thought it was my phone i was very scared i was going to be that guy you could be that guy at your own wedding but yes you were married uh while mac brown was still the coach uh of the texas longhorn football team so your wet your marriage has seen uh some times uh it's the second decade of marriage means winning football programs i believe there's an old adage that says that i don't i don't remember but uh my marriage is four texas football coaches old that's that's how old my, <laughs> granted um it's it's fine Ooh, that's <laughs> right? a stat man that's a i like that but i hate it but that's a stat i think the 10th anniversary it's like first is paper sixth is crystal whatever i think the 10th is college football uh playoff tickets so um yeah i think that's 10th anniversary so texas better get it together for next year for you it's on you sark don't ruin my 10-year anniversary we're not here to talk about me getting married and potentially going on a trip somewhere we're here to talk about texas taking a trip to manhattan kansas taking on the number 13 kansas state wildcat right Got married in 2013, 13th 13th ranked Kansas State Wildcat. A ranked matchup for Texas. Kansas State coming off of an absolute just dismantling, woodshedding, mollywopping, whatever you want to call it, of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. 48-0 at home. Kansas State 6-2, 4-1 in conference after that one. Kansas State's only loss in conference is a come-from-behind uh, loss or come from ahead, I guess, loss against TCU. And then their non-conference loss to Tulane. That was like when we all thought, oh, maybe Kansas is going to suck this year. And then they got it together and really turned it on as 
of late. This is a scary one for me, Kyle, for a lot of reasons. One, I hate playing in Manhattan. Weird things always seem to happen in Manhattan. It's cold. Their fans are hyped for the game. They've got one of the better fan bases in the conference. Like, let's just be real. Like, I've got no beef with any Kansas State fan, really. Um, they're generally, and their fans show out for the game, especially for the Texas game. Um, and their defense, I think, really feeds off of that. And so that's where we'll probably start with this one, Kyle. They have been absolutely dominant at home, allowing just 12 points per game in home games, which is terrifying for a Texas team whose offense has absolutely sucked on the road. That's what is keeping me up at night right now is that stat right there. Yeah, I mean, they do some things really well that, that scared me, right? I think you can you can simply look at this from the highest level if you want to jump right in and talk football and not make jokes. Um, this is a team that is dominant at home and Texas has struggled in the road, right? Like Sark needs this, needs this signature win on the road, honestly. Um, but they've pitched two shutouts, 12 points a game. Mizzou, Tulane, Tech, Oklahoma State. It's not like they're terrible teams they've played. Tulane's a ranked team now. Um, terrible teams they've played at home. Um, they have lost one of those to Tulane, but still they're, they're giving up just over 300 yards uh, a game and have forced 14 turnovers. Um, there is technically a fifth one. They had the, the worst of all the Dakota schools, um, but I'm not really counting them. But, um, you know, it's... it's uh, yeah, 14 turnovers in five games is is not a small um, feat. They do well protecting. They play up for the fans. They swarm. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're good just in general. Home or road, fifth in the country uh, with 11 interceptions. And when you think about whatever happened, you know, before the bye week and the windy, you know, confines of, of Stillwater, Oklahoma, with Quinn Ewers being unable to kind of complete passes, seeing seeing multiple interceptions, struggling throughout the day. Again, we say struggling like it's all relative. Jimbo would would, would, would kill for thirty one points at a half. But um <laughs> but for, for what we expect. And so then you see points at a game really. Sure. Um you see, you know, a defense that's gotta be licking their chops, thinking, okay, Quinn Ewers is gonna want a rebound game. Sarkeesian talked about it. They they asked him in the presser if he had a game that he could remember, and I think it was a uh, I think it was Utah. He said he played. Um, but he had three interceptions in the next week. He came out and threw for like three fifty. So um, you know he he's he's surely been in his quarterback's ear about um, bounce back about you know like make this make this opportunity yours you know everyone will forget that if you come out this week and so if you're the Kansas State defense you're licking your chops thinking uh yours a freshman who has been you know he's a gunslinger we know that about him we always knew he was going to have a few turnovers is is it you know against a defense that honestly their whole team their unit offense included thrives off their defense getting takeaways getting points getting field position i mean that that is uh that is what they do and then the other thing um which again if you told me this a couple weeks ago i'd be even more uh, intimidated by it but the line to their credit especially in the past game has been all right but they have a defensive end uh in in felix and Adike Uzumoa, who who leads the big 12 with with just about eight sacks think like seven and a half or eight depending where you look um three of those against tech um they lead the big 12 in sacks generally i mean they're going to get after you put pressure on your quarterback and they're going to try to pick the ball off jumping routes um just kind of uh, forcing you into 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 throws that could be contested like they yeah. Two things that, that we were worried about, a freshman quarterback, you know, having all the poise that, that a freshman quarterback does and a young offensive line will both be tested as much in this one as, you know, like the way we felt going into an Alabama game, right? Like they're going to bring pressure. They're going to try to get the ball out of your hands. And, uh, let, you know, that, that will probably most likely determine the game. I hate to uh, be the one to trigger everyone. So trigger warning here. Um, I'm, I'm an advanced stats guy, not just for football, but for weather. And according to some uh, forecasts, some 10 day forecasts, wind is scheduled to be somewhere between 12 and 15 miles an hour Saturday. night. Oof. So um, just saying, gird your loins if Texas hasn't figured that out. But I, I think you mentioned the, the Kansas State pass rush. I am honestly, and this is going to sound crazy, unless they shift him to the other side, like Kelvin Banks kind of has that on lock. Like I, I, I have pretty solid faith in Kelvin Banks matching up with basically any edge rusher in the country because he has acquitted himself time and time again. And honestly, and I'll just go ahead and say it, and I'll probably have to knock on wood or recant this on Saturday in the post game. But like Christian Jones has been good this year. Like the 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 best sign for Christian Jones is that we haven't had to talk about him yet like that's really like last year we, the time and time again it was christian jones 
kind of sucked today. And that was, that's not been the case. He has not jumped, stood out to you on film in a crazy way. Like obviously everybody has blown assignments. That's just football, right? You have negative plays, but like he has not been a liability this year. That has not been the case. Liability honestly has been the interior of the offensive line, which is concerning to me because I think Kansas state is a defense that's really led um, by that middle of their, their defense. Right. And so if Texas struggles like it did against Oklahoma State, especially in the second half, to run the ball, you know, between the tackles, the guards and the center really getting beat. Like, that's what concerns me. You know, Daniel Green, the linebacker, and Khalil Duke were both out last week, and so I'm curious if they'll be back for this Saturday. Again, we haven't gotten an injury report on them, and we probably wouldn't know either way, but, like, that would be huge for Texas if if, if both of those guys are out. But even one of them, I think that allows you and gives you a little bit more breathing room. But again, Texas is kind of playing a little bit of a shell game with the guards at this point and trying to to uh, match and manage what they're able to create. Now, Kansas State is 54th in the country in rushing yards per game allowed. So that could bode well. This could be, and really this could be a, a running back off. We'll talk about that when we get to the Kansas State offense. But like Bijan and, and Deuce have been basically going back and forth each week for who has the, the lead in the conference. And so uh, this could be the game that decides it. If I'm Sark, I'm, I'm picking my shots with yours, right? When you just mentioned the win, in addition to a ball hawking defense and a pass rush generating defense, I know your offensive line has, has struggled a bit on the run, but I'm going to lean on both running backs. I'm going to lean on Bijan. I'm going to lean on Roshan. Um, I can get Mr. Keelan Robinson out there and, and and lean on a run game, a short pass game. You know, take your spots or pick your spots in, in the pass game. Like, we know that everyone had this circled on their calendars coming in, the two best running backs in the Big 12. You might make the argument two of the probably four best running backs in the country right now um, in, in, in Bijan and Deuce, who we'll talk about in a moment. So, yeah, I don't think it's crazy to want to run the ball against this team. People have had some success this season uh, against a Kansas State team that, that will do it themselves for sure. Um, I, you know, it, to me, when when the offseason or excuse me the bye week conversation was about how we really haven't seen the the development of a third receiver you have Whittington you have Worthy you have Sanders you have the running backs like you know who the weapons are I don't think this is the game to get cute or creative like hey fool me wrong Brendan Thompson uh but I I I think I think this is um this is the game that it may not be pretty right like it may be ugly. There have been some rain games and some just nasty games in this series that were you know not not fun but if you could win you know 24 21 in this one you're gonna feel good if you could win you know 28 24 you feel good you you one point win. i don't care this is gonna be uh not a not a blowout it's not going to be at least hopefully for texas um because if it's a blowout it's probably going the wrong way but um this this doesn't need to be that just go out and win get a win on the road win ugly that's fine like you know give me the iowa state game you know played out again right like give me a give me a team that just does enough to win do a little more would be excellent that'd be fine but you know control the clock control the game protect your 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 freshman quarterback from having to make hero plays don't make him have to have a game tying drive where he's got to throw the ball like go out take possession take your shots scheme some things up you've had all bye week you've looked at this defense which is good very well coached very aggressive very active but again is not a bunch of five stars. It's not Alabama. You know that. They're very, very, very good. Um, but they're probably not even Iowa State. Like, they are very good. I, I say it again and again. Um, but they maybe, okay, maybe they're, maybe they're as good as Iowa State. But I, I still think Iowa State's the best defense in the conference probably. They, you have to, if you're Sark and you're worth the money, you have to have taken this bye week to know where you're going to attack this defense, where uh, the, the soft belly is, and there has to be somewhere. And again, you have a Bijan Robinson-sized weapon. If you use him in the pass game, if you use him as a, as a wheel route coming out, if you use him in screen passes, like, however it is, get the ball in his hands. Let five win this game for you. I think my only concern with that is that Kansas State has done a relatively good job of limiting chunk plays and limiting big plays on the ground. They're averaging about .89 points per like successful run play which is super low right like they're below one so like they're they do not allow explosive runs and they're on the converse scoring like 1.25 like one and a quarter points per explosive run which is a pretty high number and so like my big concern if you try to turn this into a grinder is that Bijan gets bottled up for three yards of carry and Deuce cracks off two big ones like that's my big concern with that style of game because 
like you said that they're a ball hawking defense with a good edge rusher, but they're giving up almost 1.7 points per pass, a point per successful pass. They give up some big pass plays, some massive pass plays. And so I think the, the recipe for success here, and you mentioned it, is pick your shots and set up the set up the big chunk plays, set up the big runs. And I think the problem with Oklahoma State, talk about it reflexively a little bit, is that in the second half, Texas was unable to Texas was unable to get anything going on the ground. So then they turned away from it. And then Oklahoma State was able to key in on the deep passes, right? So the the point for Texas really is to figure out what went rotten in Denmark. And by Denmark I mean between the two guards, right? Like what went rotten against Oklahoma State and change that because they were Bichon was eating up that Oklahoma State defense in the first half and then nothing in the second half. And so my that's my question is like what can Texas do to stay balanced because if it's if it's a game uh, or if the if the offense is able to maintain its balance and is able to keep safeties from playing downhill or safeties from keeping the lid on the defense I I honestly like what Texas is able to do now some of this also depends on decision making from the quarterback Quinn Ewers because this is a defense is going to make him see ghosts this is a defense is going to make him uh, force him to make plays and throws that he probably shouldn't be able to and won't make based upon the last couple of outings we've had uh, and so does he has he been coached over the last two weeks? Take Gutter Helm underneath, right? Is he able to take Keelan in the flats, right? Are those the things that he's being coached to do? Or is he going to come out and try to be the gunslinger again and force some really bad passes? Yeah, and I'll, I'll just say this, right? Like, Tulane's a long time ago in the season, but they were able to get 160 yards rushing. It took them 40 carries to get there, but they were able to stick to it, right? That's that's a key here. Oklahoma had 220 yards rushing. They had 34 carries to do it. Um they had a couple 20-yard runs in there, but it wasn't like they had a 100-yard run. They just, you know, they, they attacked them both ways. They also gave up 330 uh, in the air to OU. But, uh, you know, th- there, there is a, a game there. Tech, who's not a great running team, took them 34 carries, but they were able to get 114, some of that, about 20 of that coming from the quarterback. Um, and then finally, TCU, who, again, I don't know that the explosive play that the TCU seems to rack off every second half is necessarily there for Texas. I hope it is. I hope we can we can find that. We have had some success in, in, in first halves, especially beginning earlier in the season with doing that, but they were able to get 215, but it did take them 56 carries. So it seems like there are rushing yards. Like Gerald said, you want to take your shots. You want to be balanced. Um, but if you can stick to it, if you can stick with the running game, it may take some carries, but you will be able uh, to, to see some some you know satisfaction from that. Uh, just is is Sark going to get out of his head, stop talking himself out of it again? All those running backs we just talked about. Gray's been one of the highest pro football focus for OU. We know that, but but none of the running backs. Uh, Kendry Miller's TCU is a great running back, but none of them are nearly as good as Bijan. So it's just a matter of can we stick with uh, kind of a balanced game plan, but also with attacking them in the run, even if you get some of those three yards and and, and bottled up, right? And and can can we, you know, use Roshan to spell so we're still running, still attacking, because I think controlling the ball a little bit in this one um, will be good. Um, I, I, I'm much more worried about their... Um, their defense stopping our offense and their offense just running wild over our, our defense. And that's crazy to think uh, when I say that after an Oklahoma State team that gave up 48 points. But we'll talk a little bit maybe about why that was. But, uh, you know, I, I do want to see something from Sark, right? You had a bye week. You have the weapons. You're, you're relatively as healthy as you're going to be uh, on the offense. You know who your weapons are. Can you use them? Can you scheme it? Can you come out? I know your first half hopefully will be majestic, but can you come out again in the second half after you don't have a bye week, you just have a halftime, and have something ready? Like, can you go on the road in the second half and execute offensively? Can you put this game away? Can you put your foot on the throat, and can you win this game with offense? Can you play complementary football? When your defense does manage to get stops, can you put seven up on the board? That's, again, until they start and show to do, they can do that consistently, that's the question I'm going to ask each and every week. So shifting to the offense, it's hard to know what to expect from a 
perfect X's and O's standpoint because over the last uh, couple of games, last two games, Adrian Martinez, the, the starter, the transfer in from Nebraska, uh, has been injured. Coming into, uh, ahead of the injury, he was one of the better uh Honestly, just offensive players in the country, full stop, right? Uh, 87 for 140 for 907 yards, four touchdowns. He's more of a runner. He is honestly kind of a tiny Colin Klein is the best way to describe him. Uh, but 92 carries for 565 yards and nine touchdowns. That was um, in just six games. So that is a like guy was burning on the ground. He did a lot of that against OU too, which is nice. Um, Will Howard came in and has acquitted himself really nicely over two games. Uh, 34, 57 for 521 and six tutties including tying the school record with four touchdowns against Oklahoma State. So, uh it I mean this is this is even with a quarterback in there, this is your this is your granddad's Kansas State. This is your great granddad's Kansas State because Bill Snyder's been there since night was there in 1902, right? Um, but they lead the Big 12 in, in rushing yards per game at 228. Deuce Vaughn again, he and Bijan have gone back and forth each and every week essentially uh, to see who's going to be the top back. Uh, Bijan has him by I think like 18 yards. I think is what it was at the last look. Uh, 154 carries for 902, averaging 5.9 a touch and five touchdowns in addition to 130 receiving yards and a touchdown and I think this is going to be a game this this if you are the established the run run to win football games kind of person like this is going to be your nirvana this is going to be your mecca because I think both teams Texas should lean into B. John Robinson and we absolutely know that Colin Klein uh, offensive coordinator at Kansas State former person I hate is going to lean into Deuce Vaughn because Generally, college football games as of late have been a battle of superpowers, and each team's superpower is the running back. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there are things to worry about with this offense, right? I, I think without a doubt, Deuce Vaughn is one of the most electric players in space, right? A guy who, you know, uh, coaches I check formerly coached the school right after he left, didn't coach him. Um, but every, he said the way that everyone who coached him talked about him uh, in high school, even his dad obviously worked at UT, just a guy who was not the right size for a UT running back when, when we were getting, you know, big giant five-star incredible players. So could have been a, a longhorn, maybe some would argue should have, but I think he's right where he needs to be to be doing what he's doing. This is perfect for him. I hope him, I hope he's had joy and success in all his games, but I hope it comes to an end, right? I hope this is the game that you don't, you don't see that, right? If the strength of, of, this Texas defense is anything. It's it's stopping the run, especially in the interior, right? Like the the, the front um, four have, have have been pretty darn good at it. Um, a lot of credit is due, um, and, and they'll be tested. I think that the part that scares me a little bit more is if it is Adrian Martinez who's healthy. Texas historically has struggled with. Um, with mobile quarterbacks. I mean, that's not a this year thing. That's an every year thing. Somehow, that is a curse that we will never be able to break. Um, but <laughs> I, I just. I worry a little bit more if it is Adrian Martinez and he is fully healthy, that it's that two-dimensional run game. I I think Howard is the better passer, but again, Howard is not a top five, six quarterback in the Big 12. He's just not. Um, He's the best on that team, so that tells you kind of where Adrian Martinez is. Either of these guys can have their days where they're good, but I mean, Martinez has 907, Howard has uh, 521. He did have four TDs against OU, which or OSU last week, which tied a school record. Um, but I mean, there are 200, maybe 250 uh, a game passing offense most weeks, and that you know that's that's just not going to be their strength. Now, all that said, Texas has a way of of making uh, passes over the middle look. Um, wide open to anyone like I, I don't think you need a, a, an exceptionally strong arm or great deal of talent to be able to do that uh in Texas last two games opposing quarterbacks have completed I believe 77 percent of their passes when using uh glance routes Lance post um 66 percent of those were converted for a first down or a touchdown 44 percent of those attempts gained at least 15 yards compared to a 16 percent forced incompletion rate so we know if you're a good offensive coordinator, what you're doing to Texas, we know how you're attacking. If you have Adrian Martinez, you are running an RPO with three options. Quarterback keeps it dangerous, gives it to Deuce with a you know head of steam hoping to get the edge. Dangerous looks up to to you know they're they're pretty solid, not bad receivers um, in in little short slant stuff where we have the soft belly on third downs. Um, dangerous, so it's a triple threat, and that that does scare me. But again, if it's 
going to require a quarterback to beat you, I feel much better in Ewers being the quarterback to win a shootout. If it's going to be a running game, I feel pretty darn good about Texas's ability to specifically be designed to stop the interior run. Again, whether a quarterback gets loose, we've seen us struggle a bit to at least put a mobile quarterback down. We haven't been demolished like we have in years past with a running quarterback getting 100 on us and just tearing us apart, um, whether he's wearing knee braces at UCLA or, um, you know, Taysom Hill, who, who you know, announced his, himself to the NFL against Texas. Um, <laughs> you know, it hasn't been one of those, thankfully, but it, we have seen those little little kind of issues with, with um, the bend-don't-break defense that we sometimes employ and, and them uh, mobile quarterbacks, that is, a bit, that having the ability to convert third downs, extend drives, right, go forward on fourth, add that little extra threat that gets somebody open because somebody's spying, right? Those types of things, they, they, they can rear their head. But I, I kind of I kind of like where Texas defense is to take away the specific threat of Kansas State, which they like to run up the middle. And, and I think Texas, you know, Texas has something to say about that. Yeah, I think that that is to me something that that uh, of all the things that give me bad pause, that gives me good pause. I think, um, and again, it depends on what what Martinez's status is for for Saturday. But if Texas is going to uh, Texas is able to, we've seen Texas the the run defense bow up in the middle time and time again. And something else that I think is is something that can and should be watched for Texas is on the the passing side of the game. Kansas State has not necessarily been a high volume chunk play passing attack, right? In like five of their six games, they haven't gone above seven yards per attempt, right? Um, like Iowa State, they were at 12.9 yards per attempt, but they only had 20 attempts in that game. Um, Oklahoma State in a 48 nothing blowout, they're at eight yards per attempt. Um, and TCU, when they forced them to pass, was able to force um, Anderson into some bad throws and picked him off twice. Like, there's a lot to be said um, about Texas, hopefully, because let's just be honest, like, of the two of the run and pass defense, the pass defense is a bigger liability. And so I think having that against Kansas state, especially in the Colin Klein offense, especially with two quarterbacks that are relatively limited as passers. I'm not saying they're, and again, Texas has given up. Let's look at Texas tech. The guy that gave up that had a billion yards against Texas. I think he's still passing for touchdowns against Texas, even though he got benched a few weeks later, right? Like Texas has been known to give up a ton of yards to quarterbacks that they shouldn't like, let's just put it out there and name it playing. Uh, so that to me is, is does that Texas defense show up that makes an average quarterback look like an Heisman winner? Or is it the defense that can play good enough, keep everything in front of them, and hold an opponent to 21 points? If Texas is able to hold Kansas State to 21 points, I feel okay about this game. Yeah, and, and I agree, right? Like, it, honestly, 30 or 21 for 37 for 296 it's not a particularly great completion percentage for will howard they had to throw it 37 times to get there 296 yards is below oklahoma state's yards per game like it's a bad game against that defense i think people are skewed by the fact of how oklahoma state came with the wind and with all the energy and the home crowd and everything against texas's offense when viewers just couldn't complete the passes they're really bad like oklahoma state's pass defense is legitimately we said it when our preview of them, it was number three at the time. It's it's one of the worst for any major team. For, for a team that, that has a ranking next to their name, they are absolutely the worst pass defense in the country. That's just full stop. They are. They're terrible. And so Will Howard, at 37 attempts, was able to almost get to 300 yards. Like, it was a good game. He had four touchdowns. Like, good game. It was not bad. Um the fact that, you know, there was a long Deuce Vaughn 62-yard touchdown run, you take that out, and I think it was, you know, 36 for 165 or something like that, uh, somewhere around 3.7-ish, 3.8 um, yards per carriage. Good, not bad, um, but but not great, even with a couple other uh, pop plays. So, um, you know, they, they are they are a good offense. They, they are. I, I, I don't think... They're necessarily, you know, an elite offense. They are a very good defense. They're, they're very good on both sides of the ball, and if they put it together like any team in the Big 12, they can make you hurt. They're going to, as we said, come play hard at, in, in home, you know, in, in, in with as much as they have on the line. There's also pressure for these guys. It's great to fly under the radar. It's great to not have the expectations on you, but now 
you know, the seat gets a little warmer when you are now the one. You, so you right now, if everything finished as it were, you're playing in the Big 12 championship against DCU. You have to be able to finish a season with those expectations when your knees knock a little bit. I will say one thing to close out the offense. Malik Knowles, 32 catches, 447, one touchdown, um, a good receiver. He's got speed. He's, he's, he's got a lot. Philip Brooks is basically another Deuce Vaughn. He's five foot six. When he and Deuce stand next to each other, it's 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 comical because they both look normal size. And then they stand next to any lineman. They have a <laughs> lineman named Panzer, by the way, which is a phenomenal name. Um, but it, they look like you know children. It's it's really funny. They're both small, but they're both quick, shifty. Can can do a lot of things. Philip Brooks will show you on punt returns what he can do. Um, Cade Warner, twenty one for two seventy four touchdowns. So they they have decent wide receivers. Again, it's the Big Twelve. Everyone's got pretty good wide receivers. No no one in that room is unstoppable, but they can all hurt you. I think especially Knowles and Brooks we've seen in the past. So I, again, just wrapping up that I, I I expect them to to attack Texas the way that. Everyone attacks Texas. They're going to try to get some runs and see what Deuce Vaughn can do and what their quarterback can do. When they get to third downs, they're going to look for passes over the middle. Can Texas finally understand what everyone else is, is seeing? And maybe during the bye week, do some self-scouting. And those stats I gave earlier about how they're looking on those RPOs, those slants, those posts, kind of three to, to 12 yards over the over the middle. Can they stop giving that up, especially if senior safety Anthony Cook isn't playing and they're playing, you know, a, a, a younger um, player in the middle. I, it, it is an ask. And so that will be what I'm watching. So, Kyle, I think it's time to move on to special teams and then we'll get to Pod Stradamus here in just a minute. It's Kansas State, so the special teams are going to be solid, right? Like, Snyder Ball is going to be Snyder Ball, whether or not he is on the sidelines, because it's just Kansas State. It is what it is. Six uh, six punt returns, uh, 24 yards per return, which is the best in the conference. They scored a touchdown. Uh, the aforementioned Phillip Brooks uh, had that one against Missouri, um, averaging 15-plus on his other five returns. They've also had a blocked punt, scoop and score versus West Virginia. Uh, Texas blocked three, right? Um, so that's going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, Texas will probably come for some blocks, and that's what Texas does. Jeff Banks uh, has earned his paycheck and earned uh, all the monkey chow that he and his partner need. Um, they changed kickers uh, a few weeks ago. Ty Zetner uh, came in and won Big 12 Special Player of the Week after doing all the kicking duties. He was the camera dicker for them. So uh, I am. This is going to be. I have a feeling that this is either going to be like completely negligible, negligible, or there's going to be a massive special teams play. Right, nothing in between. Right, it's not going to be like I could also this this would be wild. This could turn into especially with the wind, like into a punter contest in in like the middle quarters of the game where they're kind of grinding it out. I don't know what to make of the special teams matchup because Jeff Banks has proven himself to be one of, if not the best special teams coordinators in the country uh, based on what we've seen this year. That was a complete 180 from uh, that unit in spite of having to replace the guy who did all of your kicking. Um, they've been explosive in a lot of ways. Xavier Worthy still bothers me, the choices he makes as a punt returner, but that's because I am an old and I would <laughs> rather be safe than sorry, right? He cracked off some big ones because of those dumb choices, but they just because this is the same thing I tell my five year old. Just because you didn't get hurt doesn't mean you probably shouldn't have, right? Like you were standing on the yeah. side of the couch, you could have fallen off, you probably should have fallen off and cracked your head open, but just because you didn't doesn't mean it was a good choice. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Gerald. I think this, this either. This is two of the best special team units, certainly in the conference, probably in the country, like just full stop, flat out, all the way across at every position down. Um, it will either be the storyline or it will be nothing. They will cancel each other out. But both teams average about 40 net punt yards, top 40. I think that um, Danny Trejo, we know what he is. He's a really good punter who doesn't have an elite leg. Right, like he's very good at the punting. He just doesn't have the leg to boot it sixty yards. So, what will the wind do? That will be interesting. Both these teams cover their butts off, which is how you get those net yards. Again, Kansas State best in the conference with twenty-four yards per, per return in the punt. They only have six of them, but one of them is a touchdown. Philip Brooks had a seventy-six yarder against Missouri, averaging about fifteen on his other five. So, something's got to give there. Um, I, Texas is going to cover punts. I don't think Brooks is, is going to break when I, I knock on wood. I hope um, that they can negate that. Uh, I, I do worry a little bit about if this comes down to a Burt Auburn kick. He's been really good in clutch moments. He's missed some field goals throughout the season, but, you know, he's a freshman. Uh, again, when you talk about that wind, they're going to be with their punter kicking because they're 
kicker, Chris Tennant, has been really bad. If it was him, I would say Texas has the distinct advantage, but again, Zentner made his 23-29. Nothing special, but he's a decent kicker um, as well as a, as a good punter. I don't think he's quite dicker level, um, but he's good at all of them. He's really good at kickoffs. They, they have 27 touchbacks. Um, they're, they're 29th at how many uh, kick return yards they're, they're, they're giving up. Texas is 41st. Um, basically, it's a, it's a half a yard difference between them, but um, they have a few more touchbacks than Texas this year. Uh, I mean, th- th- this if it's field position, if it's starting position, if it's Texas being able to block a punt, um, if it's Texas, you know, again, if Xavier Worthy's trying something crazy when the wind's blowing up there and, and you have a fumble, like it, it could go any number of ways, but both these unions are going to be ready to pounce on the other's mistakes. They're going to be coming. They're going to be, you know, they, this will be an interesting, you can't, you can't look away. You can't go, go, you know, refill your drink during special teams. Wait till the commercial break. Cause it is uh, going to be super high level special teams play. And then I'll just add before we move out, um, like I said about turnovers, Kansas leads the conference with a plus nine turnover differential. Not only are they causing a bunch, they're not turning it over much themselves. And we've talked about Big 12 refs and specifically how Texas and OU have been called since announcing they were leaving for the SEC. Um, and Kansas State is 19th uh, in fewest penalty yards per game. So they're not a heavily penalized team. Let's hope it's not where Texas, you know, Again, we're not arguing they made some mistakes against Oklahoma State. Um, some of them were totally self-inflicted penalties. Um, but it was just the fact that Oklahoma State had zero, which seemed a little weird. Kansas State also doesn't get penalized very much. So let's hope it's not another situation where, you know, it's a 100-yard disparity and a one-score game, and that's basically the game. So um, Texas needs to be disciplined, needs to have worked on that in the bye week. Um it's going to be another hostile crowd, and they need to know that, you know, it'd be great if the refs just don't call much on either team. We've had those games. They haven't, you know, called a bunch in, in certain games, and, and I would be fine with that. Let's just make the penalties a non-factor, and then I feel good about it. Nobody's here to see you, Otis. <laughs> like, just stay out. Nobody cares. Nobody is here to see you at all. So now it's time for our Pod Stradamus picks just to catch you up i am technically tied with kyle nine nine even though if i don't lead by two by the end or three by the end of the year kyle will claim a tie but that's either here nor there kyle you're up first what's your first pods for your pick for this week no shocker if you just listen to my offensive and defensive predictions i think texas wins the ground game i think at the end of the game texas will have more yards and that's with Ewers, who, you know, has only had one good run and it got called back for a phantom holding last week um, versus, you know, two uh, two runners. If Adrian Martinez, if uh, Martinez is playing, um, they have a dual kind of running threat. I still think Texas is front plus the the Roshan Bijan uh, combination. I think um, they're going to they're going to need to do it. And I think they will. Texas wins the uh, running game battle yards end of the game. I mean, I think that is, that's like the winning, that is the most winning proposition for Texas, right? Is if you can win the rushing game against Kansas State, uh, you're probably going to win the game. So my Podstradamus pick is, I'm going, I'm going a little niche, right? I'm paint a narrative, paint a picture. Over the last two weeks, I, in my mind, I feel like Steve Sarkeesian and AJ Milwee have been drilling into Quinn Ewer's head, look over the middle, look to the middle, look to the middle. You don't always have to take your first read, look to the middle. And so my Podstradamus prediction is that JT Sanders has five receptions in this game. Okay, I like that a lot. JT Sanders with five. Uh, give him touchdowns in the seam. Give him checkdowns. I like getting him involved uh, a lot. I think that's really good. All right, so... Moving over uh, to the other side, I think special teams is going to be a factor, but I'm going to say this way. Texas will cover the punts, the kicks. They will not allow anyone to to get loose, right? We know what Phillip Brooks can do. We know what Malik Knowles can do. We know they have two of the last you know two seasons Big 12 returner of the year on the roster currently. That's their returners. When we did our preview, we we made the the the, the guest pick uh, between the two if he could only have one returner. And it's tough. It took him a while to, to formulate. They have 
a really good unit. But I think, um, you know, th th basically this is a, a, a team that, you know, has thrived on some some big ones. And I think they will not have a, let's say, to, to keep it kind of, you know, in the realm, they will not have a punt return uh, of greater than, than 12 yards and they will not have uh, a kick return of greater than 25. So I think in both cases, if Texas can do that, limit the home runs, then, then I think you know they can they can win because when you talk special teams for kansas state specifically it's it's the return game it's other things they do everything well but it's the return game so as we talked about in this in in today i think the biggest winning proposition for texas or one of the likeliest winning propositions propositions for texas is a shootout with kansas state if it turns into a shootout my money goes to texas and if it turns into a shootout kansas state's gonna have to pass the ball more than they have so kansas state is Averaging one and a quarter sacks per game. I think Texas has more than two sacks in this contest. All right. UT more than two sacks. I like it. I like it. Um, who do you, you want? You want it? This doesn't have to be your pods for Domus. Give us a little flavor. Who do you, who do you think is getting one of those two sacks at least? I think this is a D overshown game. I think this is going to be a I game like it. where D overshown probably has a sack and multiple tackles for loss. Like this feels like a game where your senior leaders are going to have to step up and say, like, we are going to, like, we want to go to Dallas before we leave campus. And so I think those guys are going to stand. Oh, some of them already been to Dallas, right? But like, we're going to go back to Dallas before we leave campus. And I think that it's a game for D overshown. I really like that. I think his, you saw his speed a little bit, even in that Oklahoma state game, the way he closes down the way that other linebackers wouldn't get there, the way that when he does get home it's just it's lightning lightning fast so i, I like that a lot i like overshown to show up in this one so we know uh both of mine will hit run game and uh special teams gerald i hope let's just keep it let's keep it 11 11 we'll both hit two of them i hope both of yours hit i think off all four of those hit we're talking about a good win a good healthy comfortable win and so that's what we've got for you this week for our preview we'll be back post game with our live stream kyle Kyle has a wedding he'll be in on Saturday, so he will not be available. He'll see the game, but he won't be able to shop on the uh, post-game live stream. So we'll have a surprise for you there, uh, and we'll obviously be back on Tuesday with our full game recap. All right, Jill, now let's take a look at the world. There's some burnt orange lenses. We'll start, uh, as we have here, with some around the around the country college football. This by week every year is my annual, I think, fifth, sixth uh, consecutive uh, with some, some college buddies get together. Uh, used to be in Houston. Now we travel to Austin the past few and watch and place very uh, low stakes uh, gambling um I don't know. We, we, my bookie AG used to sponsor this podcast. Guys, we, we, we gamble. You know it. Um, uh, low stakes wagers. And uh, nothing really more than five unless it's a sweet odds uh, bet. But um, it's great. I won. I won some money again from, from these marks who keep keep inviting me back, my, my good friends. But I watched a lot of college football. Went to Little Woodrow's in in uh, in Austin and uh, watched football from 11 a.m. till the late games. Um, it was great. Watched a ton. Um, I saw most, if not all, of these games. We had bets on some terrible games that we had to stream because we couldn't find them on TV. Got into that sickos mode. It was great. It was it was not the best week of college football, but it was a fun week to just kind of gamble on, right? You thought a Northwestern Iowa game would be the most sickos game. Iowa scored. But, Gerald, when you look at the Big 12 at what happened, we know K-State won 48-0 over Oklahoma State. We just talked about it. Was there anything else that really jumped off the page in the, in the Big 12 this week? Baylor blasted Texas Tech, which is what Texas should have done. Um, and TCU did it again. Like, I was in – I was very uh, excited to see West Virginia playing really, really well early in that game. And TCU has been the best halftime adjustment team in the in, in the conference for sure, probably in the country. Uh, they have just the they the come from behindness of what they do is just absolutely incredible. Uh, Max Duggan, I this is these are these are going to be my hot takes. If Max Duggan plays for any other team, he's a dark horse Heisman player. Like if he's on, if you if you put a, again, if you slap a Longhorn on the side of that helmet, they're ranked fourth in the CFP, and he's probably a dark horse Heisman candidate. Like he's going to New York. Like that's how well TCU is playing right now, and I think a lot of it's just narrative for them is where well it's TCU, right? They they can't be as good, and and there's been a lot of down talk on the Big Twelve because the Big Twelve has been kind of a rock fight each and every week. Um, crabs in a barrel years always bite the Big.
Big 12 because of, oh, it just validates everybody's dumb narrative about the conference. It could just be that everybody's pretty good, right? Like, Texas is average and took Bama to the wire, right? And you've got Bama ranked. And you're rewarding Bama for the very thing you're, you're knocking TCU for? Like... Again, the college football playoff is a TV show. It's a college football invitational. It is a TV show, point blank, period. They're there to make money. So, like, do not let that change your thoughts about how good the Big 12 is in relative uh, conversation to anybody else. I like that. I like that. TC backdoor covered for me with that late score to, to make it 10. It would have been Quentin like Quentin Johnston you know, helped a, you out first time in his life. Yeah, exactly. But would have just been a, a nice little, you know, three point win. And, and honestly, kudos to West Virginia. But uh, so TCU, ah, they're, they're good, but I just feel like it's coming, right? You can't get away with it every week, right? How do they keep getting away with it? OU beat Iowa State. Felt bad for some Iowa State fans who were in that bar. I, I went over and, and gave them a consolation pat on the back and said I was rooting for you guys uh, because I always want OU to lose. But they are now a combined two and eight in conference. Iowa State still winless. Yikes. Um, 27-13 was, was bigger than usually they, they lose by like, you know, one to four. Um, but it's been a rough year for those guys. The butt bowls, Gerald said, went big for Baylor. Um, the, the the tweet of the week for me was um, the Barstool uh, Oklahoma State, um, which I'm not a big Barstool fan, but this was great. Um, the, the Basically tweeting at the OU Barstool saying, Lost forty nine to zero. Ooh, I could never. Um, <laughs> you got to find your your gallows humor. You got to find your wins. Um, so so they did not lose as badly as OU did to Texas. Um, in the SEC, I bet the Florida Georgia line. Um, just excited to say that it was to twenty three uh, and a half, and it got there quick. In in Florida, scored a bunch of unanswered, and um, I also. I needed like a couple things. To, I needed an interception from Richardson. I had a prop bet on that. Um, and there was a dropped interception in the end zone. So there was a lot of drama. But at one point, um, well into a few uh, few buckets of beers, uh, I may have gator chomped uh, a table of like 30 UGA fans. But um, it was all in good taste. They basically couldn't even talk trash because they said, I've seen you in this bar for five hours rooting for, you know, Iowa touchdowns and uh, Formula One pole position so they knew it was just a pure degenerate uh, chomp it had no real teeth um, but that was an interesting one Georgia looks good um, a week after beating Texas A&M and inexplicably getting ranked South Carolina got just 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 smothered I will say by a not great Mizzou team 23 to 10 so you know it just keeps I love watching teams beat A&M or play well against A&M and then look just absolute trash the next week and maybe the week before it's kind of like interesting I wonder why that keeps happening speaking of A&M Gerald what do you think what do you think about the uh, 31-28 old Miss victory over uh, the boys from College Station I've made my feelings completely clear that DJ Durkin should not be coaching college football anymore yep, and he's yep. not good enough to vi- to warrant being there like he's got all the talent in the world and he gave up what 230 rushing yards in a game like that is at like not only did you hire somebody that's responsible for the death of a student athlete and creating a both racist and threatening environment for everybody in that locker room there's no reason that he should be employed because one he's a terrible person and two he's not that good you're neither great nor great at your job. Join the Jimbo train. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I liked it. Um, Lane Kiffin is such a troll, and I don't dislike it. Um, we don't have to play them yet. Maybe I'll feel differently if he's trolling Texas, but he and Sark are close. Maybe maybe we won't get his ire, but he seems to really hate Jimbo, and I, I think it's warranted. Um, I think they all do. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I absolutely think you're right. Um, all right, a couple things. I had Louisville to cover against Wake, and boy, did they, 35-0 to zero in the uh, third quarter. That's one quarter without Lamar Jackson. Uh, Louisville won 48-21. Just, uh, that was a ranked Wake, an unranked Louisville. It was one of the weirder games of the day. Um, two, two, two stats here, Gerald, and then I want to hear your thoughts. Illinois improved to 77-1. And I think old Uncle Burt Bielema might be the real deal. North Carolina improved to 7-1. and one, And I'm not sure that Uncle Mac is. I don't know what's going on in Chapel Hill. It's it's like This feels like the most like gift horse situation where it's like UNC fans are like, we don't know either, but <laughs> we're not going to ask scary questions, right? If you don't want scary answers, cease asking scary questions, right? Like that's what's happening in Chapel Hill. And like 
Bert is Bert, and he knows how he can win in the big in the Big Ten, and it's running run a program from 1976. That's really what it is. It's like play grinding defense, play grinding offense, piss everybody off with it, just <laughs> grind it out, and then just be oblivious and pick your nose on the sideline. Like it is the Bert Bielema. It's Wisconsin 2.0. Illinois out Wisconsin, Wisconsin, and got their coach fired. You're not wrong in any way, and and I hate Bert, but can't help but love him. Um, I, if Mac can go ahead and beat Clemson and just mess that ridiculous thing up where Clemson's like the 15th best team in the country, but they're going to eke their way into the playoff. If Mac can be the thing that doesn't um, allow that to happen again, then then he will be uh, everyone's favorite uncle. Um, the, the last game I'll talk about, again, I've, I've, I've hit it on this podcast because Texas A&M made them look uh, legitimate, or they made each other look legitimate. Miami is bad at football. Um, I went sickos mode in bet and streamed a Miami-Virginia game uh, on a phone because we couldn't get it on the TV. Went to four overtimes, and it's not like the good type of four overtimes that you might be expecting. It was like can we even get a field goal attempt off here? I think it was 14-13 after four overtimes. It was just hideous, hideous football, absolutely disgusting. Virginia is also absolute garbage, and uh, Miami eked one out. So um, there you go. There's your Miami update. Gerald, let's take a look at some guys who've made it from the college ranks to the NFL. Who was your Longhorn in the NFL of the week? Oh, man, it's hard to... Yeah, it's hard to hard to narrow in one. I mean, I've I've got to keep going with Duve because I play him in the flex, and so do the Ravens, and so it just feels it feels fitting to go with him because he played really well, scored a touchdown, um, rushing touchdown, actually not a receiving mm-hmm. touchdown, uh, but returning punts, playing receiver, returning kicks, like doing everything. Uh, One hundred and sixty three total yards on twelve touches. Good outing for Devin Duve. With a touchdown, yeah, it's like they, they figured out like he's if it's not Lamar, he's the most dangerous guy on the team with the ball in his hand. So just get it to him somehow, and I love that. I love that he's uh, their their Swiss Army knife secret weapon uh, over there. Obviously, Sam Ellinger's first start. I talked about that in my bang the drum a little bit, but um, just great to see. You love to see it. Um, I, I have a tough one because there's two defensive linemen who deserve a shout here. Um, Puna had you know two solo tackles, a sack on the last play of the game for a win for them. Two quarterback hurries, tackle for loss, doing his things. That was. Um, uh, Puna Ford, Gerald, did, uh, did, did you have anything to say? Puna! Oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, but also TQ had to, had to keep him guessing. <laughs> had seven tackles. Seven tackles for TQ as a defensive tackle. Just feels like an unbelievable day, so good on you. But I can't not give it to Deonta Foreman. 26 carries, 118 yards, three touchdowns. Basically, the, the the Panthers was was Matt Rule limiting them or was was Christian McCaffrey keeping their best player on the bench? Clearly, the better running back out of the two, Deontay Foreman, is is taking the league by storm. To your previous question, yes, Matt Rule was limiting them and Christian McCaffrey <laughs> was limiting them. I love it. All right, Jerry, we we finally have some NBA. I won't go deep into this. I just had a couple nuggets uh, with with about ten games played so far. Kevin Durant did move uh, to nineteenth all time on the scoring list, passing Vince Carter, who's currently third in the NBA in scoring. Also, one of only eight players averaging two blocks per game. He's kind of late career here, blossoming into that big man um, that he never really, you know played like until the past few years uh, miles turner is leading the league with 3.7 blocks as he eases back from injury uh, he's only had one game this season over 24 minutes and in that game he had 27 points 10 rebounds five blocks he passed roy hibbert for fourth all time on the pacers block list Jared allen currently fifth in rebounds uh mobamba 19 points in 17 minutes last week he's only averaging 13 though we'll need to see a little bit more from mo if he wants more minutes it's been a little less of that 19 points in 17 minutes and a little more of like three points in 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 12 minutes so he needs to get a little bit more going there um gerald do you know what they call the dunk when you go kind of between your legs around and dunk it over um it was a magazine that you could also order um shoes from in the 90s east bay that's right that is called the east bay dunk also again the, the if you're Reading that and having flashbacks to a certain magazine, you are people from our era, also, I guess, a part of the Greater Bay Area. But um, Greg Brown III had himself in East Bay. Uh, last 10 seconds against the Rockets, breakaway, garbage time. His coach actually yelled at him for it. Uh, but if that's not the most GB3 play of his career, he, he got subbed on for a minute at the end in garbage time, immediately runs out on a, on a fast break with 10 seconds left to go East Bay between the legs. Gerald, a couple... Um, Items to hit here. Breaking news as we're recording this Thursday evening just happened. Uh, number 16 soccer actually fell in the Big 12 uh, conference semifinals, 1-0 to to 
West Virginia. So um, they've had a great season. This is only their, their second loss, again, since the North Carolina won uh, the number two team. So it's going to lose eventually. Just hope they get out of their system and they can put together the, the, the postseason tournament run that we're hoping for. They, like, swept nearly all of the conference, like, awards. Like, Texas got its first uh, coaching. Angela Kelly got her fir- got the first uh, Big 12 Coach of the Year uh, since 2001 for the program. Uh, Trinity Byers earned the second Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year uh, trophy over the last five seasons. And then MJ Cox, third all-time selection as the Big 12 Conference Defensive Player of the Year, right? So, like, there is... Something to be said about like this team earning accolades, and this almost felt like they didn't necessarily like they. Well, obviously, they wanted to win a conference championship, right? I'm not saying that. Oh yeah. But it sometimes I wonder in these conference tournaments, like what, how much of that is like we'll push and we'll try to press, but they don't need to play their way into the tournament. Like they're a tournament team, hands down. So I wonder if it's the old Augie Garrido Big Twelve tournament situation where it's like we know we're the best team in the conference. We got our trophy. Yeah. We got our rings. Let's 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 focus on the big one. Yeah, they just got bumped up to uh, four seed basically, and I don't think this performance necessarily is going to um, move that needle too too much. So we'll see when the, those final uh, postseason tournament seedings come out. Uh, speaking of postseason, uh, the ITA tennis fall national championships are going on currently on the women's side. Uh, both uh, Rapolu and, and Zine fell in the singles round of 32. Again, great accomplishment to get ready for spring. Um, no hardware there. However, on the men's side, still going on, I believe, as we're recording this Thursday, uh, there's uh, tennis being played. But uh, junior Elliot Spaziri won his singles match and then combined with Cleve Harper for a doubles victory to get him each to the round of 16, then in his singles. Earlier today, Spaziri won to advance to the round of eight. Um, as we're recording this, Harper and Spaziri are up, but still going in doubles. Hope to get them both at least the round of eight and continue on through the weekend. Volleyball uh, not having a game this week. It was an unfortunate one. Uh, TCU flu outbreak canceled uh, that that game. I think uh, I was looking at some of the players' Instagram. They were like waiting on the bus. They may have already been on the bus driving up to Dallas when, when the game was canceled. So uh, they may have already gotten there, actually, by the time that the announcement came out. So terrible to have to travel up there and then have your game canceled. But here we are. Um, gives them just more time to focus on Iowa State Revenge Tour next Wednesday will be their next game uh, at home this time with Iowa State giving Texas, of course, their only loss on the season. Molly Phillips got her some uh, got a trophy or not a trophy. I guess they don't give trophies for player of the week, but she got maybe they do. a certificate. Maybe do they mail you a ribbon or something? Uh, <laughs> but she know. was named the offensive player of the week. We called it uh, in our uh, recap of that. She got um, 22 kills and eight blocks. She led the Big 12 with a 588 hitting percentage. Um, and we didn't mention this in the last show, but that was win number six hundo for Jared Elliott. Yeah, and speaking of hitting percentages, uh, Asia O'Neill, I just checked, is the highest hitting percentage in the nation at 41, just passed uh, with this last match to go solely into the number one spot. So when your two middles are just crushing it like that, you can do all kinds of fun stuff. So again, take out all of that talent, that rage on Iowa State, and just beat them like single digits, like a sweep, like 25 to, to 7 to, to, to like maybe 12, go as high as 12. Just just destroy them would be nice. Um Speaking of destroyed, Gerald, someone who destroyed the competition is being honored this year. The the official ceremony will be later this month, uh, but women's basketball will be retiring. Annette Smith-Knight's number 15 jersey will hang in the rafters at the Moody Center, which I think is awesome. It'll be against the game against Princeton. Um, I think it'll be a, a fun time to be there. People who are a little bit younger may not know this. Texas basketball was what... UConn was like they were the most dominant force in fact Smith Knight having a knee injury is probably the only reason they didn't have multiple undefeated seasons in a row um they were you know just the 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 best basketball team bar none um and uh, she came battled back from that injury for her senior year to lead uh that team to the first ever undefeated national championship 34-0 team never happened before has happened since um but Texas basically set that present of something that, that couldn't be done, and she was a enormous reason why a, a, a smaller, undersized center who could score in the paint was a sprinter down to both ends of the court, kind of played Vic ball before it was a thing. Um, she, she was 
unbelievable. I mean, really, truly, uh, she is still the, for men's and women's, the all-time leading scorer on the 40 acres. Just uh, a very deserved honor. Are you telling me, Kyle, what started here with the 85-86 team changed the world? Is that what you're telling me? I believe so, and I believe also uh, Vic is bringing... I'll call it sexy back. I mean, 34 to zero records uh, are sexy. So uh, Vic might be bringing it back. Um, hopefully, you know, I don't, I'm not going to prediction an undefeated season for Vic, but, you know, prove, prove me wrong here, uh, Coach Schaefer. A uh, couple other uh, awards to just wrap it out. Well, first, actually, let me just, I'll throw this one and then we will hit the awards. Um, Gerald keeping it at basketball. Kansas announced their punishment. Bill Self plus an assistant will serve a self imposed. Self uh, imposed four game suspension stemming from the 2017 FBI investigation. Gerald, how do you feel about participating uh, in the NCAA's investigations? Never cooperate with the NCAA. La Cosa Nostra. Gerald is the. Uh, he, tell he, him he to ain't suck no on a lemon. <laughs> he ain't no rat. He ain't no snitch. He ain't going to tell you anything. Maybe he'll self-impose, but he ain't going to give you nothing. Uh, and I love it. Poor Oklahoma State probably watching this ruling, just just, just crying sad tears. That's why you don't cooperate with the NCAA. They're a fraud. Um, the, the awards I mentioned, Bijan named a Maxwell Award finalist, one of 20 Deshaun, uh, excuse me, DeMarvian Overshun, uh, named Butkus Award semifinalists, uh, one of 15. No team has two linebackers. I think that's why the Big 12's leading tackler, the other linebacker at, at UT, uh, didn't make that list, unfortunately. Uh, and then Kelvin Banks named to the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year semifinalist. Just 14 um made that cut in only two offensive linemen. So as we said, Banks is good and everyone seems to know it. I mean, that is uh, a massive award. And I mean, Kelvin Banks will only be here for two more seasons. So um, enjoy every snap. If you're not the type to watch the offensive line, maybe just once or twice a game, just take a look, left tackle, number 78. He's doing something special. God, he's he's real good and, and, and real young. And it's, it's fun to watch. He's um, that good at 19. Imagine yeah. him at 22. Imagine him at 26, you know, as, as a pro bowler. Uh, he's going to be good. A couple things this week, just rounding out. We said tennis is still going on. Uh, baseball is playing the Fall World Series currently. We'll have some updates over the weekend on that, of course, as it comes out. Women's basketball scrimmage uh, against Wayland Baptist is their last scrimmage after we talked about the great against DePaul. Um, and then season will start after that. Uh, big one this week. Uh, Friday and Saturday, men's and women's swimming hosting Virginia. That's number two men against number nine Virginia's men, number three women versus number one Virginia. So just arguably two of the best, if not, you know, the two best men's and women's combined swimming programs in the country will be uh, competing fiercely at uh, Jamail uh, Swim Center this weekend. And then Sunday, two-time defending national champion that means they were the national champion and then they won a national championship so they're double defending their title rowing opens their season with the inaugural waco regatta um first fall regatta since 2018 this will be their only time to see them until march the regular spring season so gerald how would you feel about going into uh the the lake around waco i i don't know i don't know if that's where i want to be um I don't like going to the Chick-fil-A in Waco. I don't definitely want to get in the water. <laughs> uh, my wife was a Baylor man. She actually says Cameron Park is beautiful. And she <laughs> took me up to a little lookout. It's it's nice, but I think you, you, the occasional body floats up as well. But, you know, who hasn't? All right, Gerald, what have you been watching on your giant screen? Let's take this thing home with a little Godzilla-tron. Hallmark movie of the season, a majestic Christmas. It was a Hallmark movie. It was fine. They so the Hallmark movie recipe is like city girl goes back to small town. There's a there's a there's a guy somewhere whether he's the city guy going with her to the small town or he's a small town guy that she reconnects with. Anywho, that's always the formula. And then there's like the complication in their relationship that they like have this slow burn thing, and then like the the twist happens. My biggest issue with the majestic Christmas is that it was re resolved too fast. Like they did it and like mm. they did all of like the plot twist and the resolution in like the final 17 minutes of the movie. And I'm like, this was way <laughs> too fast. Like they barely fought. Like what's going on? Like that's always my favorite part. We played this game where like we take bets on what the complication is going to be before the game or before the shows. Like mm. that's my wife's my mm. wife and I's game. When we watch these, she watches football games with me. I watch Hallmark movies with her. It's what Respect. makes our marriage work. So the me things I watched, I uh, went back and rewatched the Hobbit trilogy. 
Um, those movies, there should not have been three movies. There probably should have been like two movies. They could have probably gotten that uh, together. The highs of those movies are really high, and the lows of those movies are really low. And so it's hard for me to like give an honest evaluation because like the Battle of the Five Armies is dope, but like some of it sucks. Like the the dragging that they did to make one book into three movies is a lot. Um, and then finally, this is like Netflix is doing this thing dirty, and I'm really actually kind of frustrated by it. So um, there's a movie on Netflix. It's a family movie, air quotes, called Wendell and Wild. And so it is a collaboration between the uh, person who did the actual like shooting and cinematography for A Nightmare Before Christmas and Jordan Peele as a writer. And it is hmm. it was like a, it was a Halloween kind of thing. And Netflix didn't market it at all. Like I, I found out I found out about this because a, a movie writer that I follow uh, on on TikTok, actually, um, a movie commentator on TikTok was tweeting about like, why is it Netflix advertising this? Because I feel like people would watch it. Um, it's called Wendell and Wild. And um, a, because it's a Jordan Peele thing, it is it's steeped in a lot of social commentary. And so it's about a, uh, a young girl whose parents pass away and she kind of gets lost in the foster care system. Um, and so she ends up literally having to battle her personal demons um, through, you know, the the trauma that she's going through and the repeated re-traumatization of having to move foster homes over and over and over again. And there's a very strong um, and it's they don't hide this, but it's all about um, how corporate interests are costing students like their education and how the school to prison pipeline is very much driven because America is driven by for-profit prisons. And it's not necessarily a, um, it's not a subtle message. And so if that's not something for you, then skip it. But like, I enjoyed it and I enjoyed the way that they wove that into the narrative. Um, Key and Peele back together again as the voices of Wendell and Wilde, this girl's personal demons. Uh, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I like, I, I, it, it was different, and that's really what I appreciated. And I like Jordan Peele's uh, stylistic voice that he uses when he has these conversations about social issues. So if that's your bag, check it out. It's pretty fun. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, deep cut. Um, so I watched a lot of Astros um, this this past <laughs> week. Um, your soon to be World Series champions, Astros. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. I also watched. Uh, finished. We'd been watching Miss Maisel finish that off. Uh, obviously, they have more seasons coming, but uh, to where they are, I think, with the end of the fourth season. Really great. Good cliffhanger. I think it's going in a good direction. Um, so we needed to start something else, my wife and I, as a show, and so we are watching Peaky Blinders, and we watched the recap to get ready to watch the latest, I think, sixth final, whatever season. Um, we just had been out for a bit. Uh, hadn't, hadn't gotten around to it. Um, realized from the... Like recap, we're like we don't remember. We binged a lot of this, and, and we don't remember. So we we're gonna go all the way back. So let's let's rewatch, um, and and just kind of see what we get. And so we ended up going back, and and you get all the nuance. And it's also just a great show. It's a fun hang. So we're rewatching Peaky Blinders in order to get to, um, the actual uh, the new content. So it'll be it'll be a fun journey here for a little while. I I love the show. I love the the way it looks. I love. The, the, like the specificity of the culture of Birmingham at that time, the like ways that he, he interacts and, and weaves into that story, right? Like it's it's fun to think about um, some of the other British period pieces and how, you know, this and, and the crown and the um, Downton Abbey and some of those timelines overlap and everything. But it's just, I mean, it's the Peaky Blinders. Uh, it's, it's great. I mean, I love it. So be prepared for some more British accents coming your way, Joe. Kyle, I love you. Your British accent never works for me, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kyle. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I got nothing. Give, give me a couple more episodes, and maybe, maybe it will be better. It, um, it's like yeah. it's like those memes of people that like post their uh, their outfit progressions as they go back and start listening to like 2000s emo. It's like this is me after one week of listening to My Chemical Romance. This is me one month. Bloody L. Yeah, it'll it, it'll improve, Kyle. I think repetition is really all it is. Right? It's all about repetition. That's all we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Kerbin. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back again on Saturday. Well, I'll be back with a special guest for our post-game live stream. And then we, Kyle and I will be back on Tuesday with our full post-game recap. Thank you so much for tuning in again. And until next time, hook them. Hook em. Snyder Magic only works on the best teams in the Big 12. That's not Texas. They beat Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, not us. <laughs>